Hello and welcome to the Double Pivot, the world's most agreeable soccer analytics podcast. I am Michael Cayley. It is the FA Cup weekend coming up, so of course it is time for the Double Pivot podcast deep dive into the FA Cup matches. What do we expect to see from Harrogate Town? Will Morecambe change their tactics when they match up with Tottenham? What about Nottingham Forest's new management? What is going on there? We are ready to break down all of the games, get you ready for the most exciting weekend of magical football. I'm joined by Mike Goodman. I don't know anything about these teams. I'm just not going to talk. I'm, I, I, we, we could, I, I'll, be, I'll be back when we're done with the FA Cup talk. All right. The music heard of the way is Whalers. Please download, subscribe, make us happy as podcasters. On the subscription side this week at patreon.com slash double pivot, we will be looking at some teams on the continent uh, that maybe we haven't talked about all that much this season. Maybe you haven't gotten a chance to watch all that much this season. Maybe we haven't gotten a chance to watch all that much this season. Um, and we'll sort of be doing a preview as the second half of Continental Football picks up this week. What we are going to do here today is talk transfers because it's January and like there's a decent amount of action seemingly going on or rumored to be going on. So we'll dip our toes in. I guess... The place to we well, we talked about Ferran Torres already, and that's done as a transfer. He's just not registered, which we talked about already. So I guess the place to start is what Kieran Trippier going to Newcastle? Does that seem? Yeah, Kieran Trippier is not finalized to Newcastle, but this is one of those things that is pretty clearly just paperwork at this point. And, you know, paperwork has fallen through in the past, so we don't want to say it's 100%, but we're going to talk about Kieran Trippier at Newcastle as if Kieran Trippier is at Newcastle. Um, right. They're, 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 they're like pictures of him in the newspaper leaving the hotel to head to the training ground. Like, I think we're we're getting there. On the football side, that seems fine. Yeah. Like, Newcastle, I, I mean, I have said that, like, you know, the main, one of the main things they need to do is just, like, upgrade their entire back line, which is terrible. And Kieran Trippier is a plus European right back. Yep. Um, I mean, I think how you utilize it will depend on, like, what this team looks like at the end of the month and all that stuff. To me, what is particularly interesting here is how they have gone about this in terms of structuring the deal and mm-hmm. getting this over the line. And what it seems to me they are doing is they are paying him a lot more money than anybody else would. They are not giving him an out for relegation. But they are also of the expectation that he will remain with the club if they get relegated. Which means, like, if this is the approach, they could, uh, like, have the most expensive championship team in the history of football by, like, an order of magnitude when it's all said and done. Yeah, it seems to me that the approach is that, A, they have a good amount, as we've talked about in this podcast before, they have a lot of leeway under Premier League and Football League FFP to run huge deficits, and if you just buy a team, you know, just use all of that money to buy something like an average-ish Premier League team, which I think is a, a, a reasonable goal to achieve in this window, and that team easily could get relegated. Ben Torvani did a, did a very good blog post on sort of how to model where Newcastle are, and basically showed that if Newcastle can upgrade themselves to being about as good as Aston Villa— that would put Newcastle's about 50-50 in terms of relegation. So they could do a very good job. If they can turn this terrible Newcastle team into Aston Villa in a window, they've done a good job 
and after that, they will be about 50% chance of getting relegated. So I cl clearly, like, the plan here, I think, makes sense. What you do is you build Aston Villa, you keep Aston Villa together, and Aston Villa easily gets promoted out of the championship. And you come back in, and, you know, you're, you're, you're in the Premier League again, and you are planning to, you know, you've kind of blown most of your FFP window at that point, but, like, you know then you just go and get fake sponsorships. Like, it's all manageable. It all seems right. And adding Kieran Trippier is a step toward constructing Aston Villa. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's all right. I think that, like, if they're do going about it this way, as it seems that they are, the major difference is that you have to spend a year in the championship where you are not adding Premier League talent to your team at that point. Um, like, part of what this January window becomes is, like, the last time in 18 months that you could conceivably add talent of a Premier League caliber or of a, like a top half Premier League caliber, which is interesting in its own way. Um, but yeah, Kieran Trippier is, is, is seemingly done. And then we look at the other... So this is not directly Newcastle. And this is, again, a player we've talked about a bunch. But it seems possible that could be a landing destination for um, Vlahovic. Vlahovic. Yeah, D Tariq Panja tweeted about this, and this is, he didn't say it was Newcastle, so we're going off some, like, you know, fuzzy stuff here. But the thing that he did report out that I think is really important for understanding this deal is that Vlahovic's agent is a lo local Serbian agent, basically, or agency. And they don't rep any other players with anything remotely like Vlahovic's profile, and that Vlahovic has ceded the ceded his part in these discussions to those agents who are you know quite reasonably you know given given their situation looking to get paid it is is impossible to say from what we know whether Vlahovic is being exploited by these agents or whether this is kind of a classic entourage situation where he is helping them get paid i don't know but in either case one of the big things that is holding up Vlahovic sales along with, you know, you've already got the Fiorentina issue. You've already got the issue of an owner who has unreasonable and shifting demands day to day. On top of that, you have Vlahovic's agents demanding quite a bit for themselves on top of all of this. And so this creates a situation where if it is Newcastle that are in, it makes a lot of sense. Just like paying off a bunch of bribes to get a player, like... Yeah, I don't know. That's that's that's, that's the team so, is, up, is is used to that. A couple other things surrounding the the, the potential Vlahovic move. Uh, one is uh, Fiorentina have also in recent days finalized bringing in Piatek as a striker, who I guess could serve as a backup. Um, Piatek, you might remember, had a great half of a season, which earned himself, which was totally just a hot finishing streak earned himself a move to uh, Milan which didn't work out then moved to Germany and is now coming back um the second thing is is that Arsenal have been heavily linked to Vlahovic but like Arsenal themselves don't like have not been sort of out there doing that leaking um they they uh you know if you if you read the news reports it is not Arsenal beat reporters coming out and saying Arsenal are interested in in, in Vlahovic. Uh, it is sort of all coming from either the, the the Syria side or the agents camps. Like there is very little out of North London to suggest Arsenal are 
seriously like stacking up you know euros to ship to, to Fiorentina now look you know teams don't always tell the truth about a great number of things so who knows but it, it, it is worth highlighting that um and then the third thing is that the price that 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 has been cited in recent days is 70 million euros or thereabouts which is like much less unreasonable than some of the things being thrown about a month or two ago. Which is also interesting because, like, the last month has perhaps been the best of Vlahovic's career, at least statistically. So I think one thing that sort of happened here was that, like, the really absurd numbers were never realistic as a transfer fee on the, uh, on the buying end. They were put out there in order to try to generate this interest, and you had, like, fans biting because they really got invested in Vlahovic being good. But it does not seem like buying teams particularly bought on the sort of nine-figure type numbers. Um, you know, I took a lot of, like, heat when I was, like, a 50 million, like, gamble for Leicester, and it looks like the numbers now being cited are 70 million euros, which is, like, 56, 58 million pounds. And, you know... Newcastle and, and Newcastle rather right, than Leicester. Right, right. I mean that, that that seems like the rage. I I think I think that's right. I I think that like you know we'll see we we'll probably never see actually. That's right. Yeah. How much money it ends up really being given agent fees and various other bribes and payments, but like we're now looking at kind of the level that you would expect to see for Vlahovic based on his demonstrated talent. He is interesting because. Right now, he's like a guy. He's yeah. 21. And so being a guy at 21 projects very well into the future. But right now, he's not giving Newcastle a lot that they wouldn't get from a fit Callum Wilson. But at the same time, Newcastle should not. It would be insanity to project a fit Callum Wilson and have that be what you base everything on. So, like, bringing in a good striker that can allow you to use Callum Wilson in the limited ways and limited minutes that his body is capable of at this point, that's a good move. This is a lot of money to spend on a for-now striker who is just a guy. But, I don't know. Like, it's just money. Uh, right. It's kind of funny to, like, envision Vlaovic going from Fiorentina, like, carrying Fiorentina to, the, like, the Europa League race in Serie A this year to, like, playing in the championship next year. <laughs> um, speaking of paying lots of money for guys who might be good in the future and relying on them for now, Ricardo Pepe has officially moved to Europe. Yeah, man. Boy, I don't know. Going to Augsburg, who are very much in the relegation fight, um, currently, I think, not not favored to stay up. And, like, this is not, you know, you talk about, you know, Vlahovic is, like, a guy right now on a finishing fight. So, Augsburg are favored to stay up because of the... Um, because of the, the weird the weird playoff where the third worst team in the Bundesliga is somewhat insulated because they play a playoff in terms of going down to the to, versus the third best team from the, the exactly. Bundesliga you've, you've got Greuther first. It is guaranteed to go down at five points through half a season. Eesh. And then Augsburg are in the next group. Right. 
and so you know they've got a reasonable shot at finishing 16th and getting through or maybe even 15th and but they've been quite bad this season this is this is not a good team this is absolutely a relegation level Bundesliga team just, just as a just as a brief aside here it is worth when you think about relegation in Germany to like cons- you should con- you should be considering the fact that like there is a significant ca- talent gap between the 16th best Bundesliga team and the third best second Bundesliga team like that's not exactly. a that's it's not a formality that you come back but it is not you, you go into that match as a pretty sizable favorite year in year out anyway Exactly. And their expected goals are absolutely, again, at that level. And the big thing that they don't do is they don't score goals. They don't get chances. They don't score goals. They've and so the third, they have spent... They have the third worst by expected goals attack in, in, in the Bundesliga? Something like that. Yep. Their, yeah. their, their scoring leader right now is Florian Niederlechner, who has only played 590s mostly as a sub and is 31 years old. He's got three goals. He leads the team in goals. Like... Signing a forward makes a ton of sense. This is what I would do if I were running Augsburg as well. And they have selected for that forward Ricardo Pepe. Just like, like the optimistic case for Ricardo Pepe is that you are paying above the odds for his current production because you think he will develop into a good player because he is very young. Which is, like, not the profile of player that Augsburg needs in the slightest. Not remotely. Like, he is a... He's a guy in MLS right now. And there are a number of indicators. You can see this when you watch the Usment. And I think that, like, you know, people can see this reasonably well in MLS. That he is just shots at this point in his career. He is not somebody that you can count on to do anything anything else he doesn't hold the ball up he doesn't move the ball forward like he'll press a little but he's young and not strong like he's not going to be a really good defensive player he gives you nothing but the shots and that is a major issue when the shots are unlikely to be you know anything like plus at a Bundesliga level yeah I, I, I don't know like, there's a world where it works, right? Like, there's a world where Augsburg skate by, stay in the Bundesliga. Pepe continues to improve. He's a somewhat below average Bundesliga striker this season into next season. By the end of next season, he is improving. And, like, Augsburg maybe get one more year out of him and then sell him as he's becoming a very good player at 20 years of age. Like, that works. But, like, if, if you were... If you are looking at your team now and are saying, we are at risk of getting relegated and we need to not get relegated and we need to plug this hole in our team in order to not get relegated, like, that's just not what you do. Ricardo Pepe is not what you do. And they spent, what, like 20 million? 25 Euro- uh, million euros? 20 Plus add-ons? I think it was 20 plus add-ons, something like that. It was yeah. 15 and, and plus so- add-ons going to 20, like... I, I'm interested in this move because I think a fundamental question with Pepe that we don't have a good answer to is just how good are his shot getting skills right now? Yeah. Are like, you know, what, uh, what an average MLS shot getter turns into has a lot of variance. There's a lot of categorical issues with moving from MLS to a top European league. We don't know how much of that is going to translate. Maybe some of it will, and he is a merely below average shot getter in, in, in the Bundesliga, and that's not entirely useless even with all of his other weaknesses and maybe the shots don't translate and he's quite bad 
And I am very interested to see that tested and see exactly what we've got in Ricardo Pepe as like an Usman fan. But if I were buying, I would not be buying someone where there's a significant chance that his shots just aren't going to translate. And there's nothing else there if you don't get the shots. Right. I mean, that's the thing. I, I guess, like, there's a world where what develops is the other stuff to make him a more well-rounded player. Although, like, I'm sort of skeptical of that, to be honest. It's not going to happen this month. No, that's I mean, that's also true, right? Like, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so we've taken our little Ricardo Pepe walkabout. Uh, let's go over to I wanted to, to go back just one for one second. I guess. I just wanted to go back for one second to uh, Kieran Trippier. Because oh, I am okay. honestly interested in Kieran Trippier in a Eddie Howe side. So far, Newcastle under Eddie Howe have not been an Eddie Howe side. They have just seeded the ball after their first game or two of trying to have the ball a little bit. They have stopped trying to have the ball. And I think that this, this speaks well of Eddie Howe. That, like, it hasn't worked out great. But at least he understands that he cannot run his stuff with the talent that he has. But Kieran Trippier, who is a player who now at 31... Like, he was a a pretty good defensive fullback. He is not as good as he used to be. But the old player skill that he always had was his ball progression. That's only gotten worse. Only gotten better. He is one of the best ball progressing fullbacks in the world, even as more and more ball progressing fullbacks have been, you know, discovered and created. And if you have a guy who doesn't have to get forward and can provide a lot of the ball progression that your midfielders can't, like... He provides an opportunity for Eddie Howe to do something more like Eddie Howe football without necessarily subtracting as much defensively. He could be a sort of fun and and very uh, a very well fitted piece for this team. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's possible, and like I think that Eddie Howe has sort of that latter day Arsene Wenger thing about him, where he does just sort of like feel around for and eventually find solutions on the field. Now, I don't know that, like, we'll see what Newcastle looks like by the end of the window, but I don't know that there are a lot of solutions to be found there. Um, But regardless, I I think that it is at least possible that you could see Kieran Trippier doing a lot of the work that not having an entire midfield has, has caused them to need done. So... Juventus next? Does that make sense? Where do we want to go? We got we got a bunch of places we can still hop around to. Yeah. What? Well, so Juventus looking at uh, Moricardi. So what happened here is that Juventus, like Barcelona, was looking at Morata, and in the wake of Barcelona looking at Morata, Juventus were linked to Icardi and Vlahovic, and now they very publicly, apparently, Allegri and Morata sat down and they all decided you're not going anywhere in January, and how Barcelona thought that they could do this, who the heck knows, um, other than the fact that they seem to always be able to make deals with Atletico Madrid at any given time, and Atleti is the team that owns uh, Morata. He's on loan at Juventus. Morata has been loaned from every team in Madrid to Juventus over the course of his career, seemingly. Um, so, Volvic still sort of linked to Juve. Like, I don't think it's impossible we could see that happen. Um, but now that Morata is staying, the Icardi links, if they ever were real, seem to have dried up. Um, but we have all these sort of knock-on effects of, like, that's how you get Vlahovic to Newcastle instead of Icardi being rumored to go to Newcastle, right? Um, 
And and then you have the Barcelona knock-on effects where we keep looking at, like, how are they doing this? Like, how do they think they can do this? And one answer is that they feel like they're moving Coutinho. And so you get to Coutinho going to Aston Villa to play for Steven Gerrard. Which, sure? I, like, I kind of like it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm interested in all things Coutinho at this point. He continues when he plays to do a whole lot of ball progression, like at really fantastic elite levels, and then no one ever wants him to play for them anyway because of, you know, the other weird stuff that he doesn't do. <laughs> like, he doesn't... He, he has become a bizarre player in the amount of ball progression that he does around the penalty area and the incredibly low number of shots that he creates in a way that, like, I honestly kind of think it has to be fake. It's weird. Like, how can you be passing the ball into the penalty area more than two times per 90 no matter where you are and your shot, produ- and your shot creation has gone way down? It's I don't weird. know, man. Yeah, I- could you know, might break the record for the guy who goes, like, the longest in between being, like, putting together a very good season and my, like, honest-to-God still-held belief that he has more very good seasons in him? On the other hand, doesn't his career feel a little bit like James Rodriguez's? Yeah, and, it like, really does. Sometimes they just don't, like, like, James, when he was on the field for Everton, played well. Got hurt a bunch and then just, like, you know, went off to the Middle East and that's, like, the end of it. And, like, I, I don't, like, maybe Gerard gets a good, healthy season, half season, season and a half, whatever, out of Coutinho. But, like, it does seem to me, like, when you keep waiting on these guys to put it all together again, even when their production in limited minutes is good, if that limited minute stretches on for too long... Like, it just gets harder and harder to envision them coming back. Exactly. And, and Hamas, Hamas was particularly disappointed because he had that short period of time as a free eight at, at Bayern Munich yep. that showed that he had found a way to translate his incredible technical skills into being, like, really a pretty complete modern player. And Ed Coutinho has always been, you know, a guy where it's just the passing. And the shots. And, and the shots, yeah. Right, no, he is never... Even when he played deeper, like, years and years and years ago under Brendan Rodgers, it was still the passing and the shots. <laughs> like, he could just do it from deeper sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, like, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're Aston Villa and you're currently spending a whole bunch of minutes on Danny Ings for just shots and you change that to Coutinho for passing and shots, and you sit Danny Ings and you, and you, you play Ollie Watkins ahead of him. Like, I think that's a good trade. I would like to see it. But, but like, I think there's a lot of downside with Coutinho at this point. Especially given, like, how, you know, the wages he's on. Uh, but the other thing is, like, right now, would you rather be giving minutes to Coutinho or Emilio Buendia? I mean... I- I am saying this specifically as the way that you would play Buendia and Coutinho. 
that like Buendia, the thing that Buendia gives you is he absolutely can be, I think, a secondary midfield creator who does a lot of defensive work, whether whether coming off the wing or playing deeper or whatever it is. I think there is a way to have Buendia and Coutinho in the same team. If Coutinho is coming in because Buendia is going to sit, you are not going to get the value out of Coutinho for anything. Yeah, I, I'm just not sure that you're not going to play one of the more defensive front line. I think Jared's done a fine job, so I think he'll balance it all just, like, totally appropriately. But I do wonder if, like, he's not thinking of Coutinho as, as someone to go back to playing a little bit deeper um, as he played alongside Gerard at Liverpool. That would be problematical. I suspect it would be. Um I mean, I guess you could, like, just play him as a 10 with, like, you know, a couple of, like, they have a bunch of, you know, defensive midfielders, and you sort of, like, take McGann's minutes. That's not the end of the world. He's better than McGann. Like, Yeah, and and maybe you rest Traore and get more of the sort of defensive wingers on the field as well. Right. There's, There's a way to sort of fit all that together. Yeah. I mean, like... Gerard is a guy in a relatively short period of time who who has become a manager that I am legitimately excited to see how he fits together pieces as opposed to some other young managers who I have looked at with like various pieces to try to work out and thought this is a bad thing for them and they need like a very like less complicated 11 that they can run out. At the same time, if he is the one pushing for Coutinho because of his relationship with Coutinho and he is the one doing the analytics here, that seems like a a separable issue. Like, is he just, like, creating a much harder problem for himself than he needs to have? True. I mean, but, like, on the other side, like, we keep sitting here and looking at the numbers and being like, Coutinho still puts up production when he's on the field. So... If the issue continues to be that, like, Coutinho can't find himself in a in a situation in which, like, his skills are appropriately harnessed, Gerard would see, like, it's, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't happen under Gerard. It's not going to happen, right? <laughs> yep. Like, this would be the, this would be the first time since his move to Barcelona in the half, in that last half season with the last half season with Liverpool to the first half season with Barcelona, where Coutinho would be playing for a manager that really wanted him there. So. I would like to see it. Speaking of things that I would like to see, there is a report (laughs) this morning. I love it. I love that transition. That Adama Traore is a top target for Tottenham because Antonio Conte wants him to play wingback. I mean... I would like to see it. Just for science. Right. It's like, you know, he clearly did it with Victor Moses. Like, he then, he went to Inter and, like, did it with even Perisic. Like, I, I just feel like like each step along the way, he's going to push it, like, one, like, one wing back further. I, like, you know, sure. I, I, if he... Adama Traore has this unbelievable skill set that has mostly been sizzle without stake for his entire career. If there is anybody on the planet who will, like, change the substance ratio of what Adama Traore does on the field, it is Antonio Conte. 
if it can be done, I think he will do it. I, I do not know that it can be done. I, right. I think that, like, the Perisic thing is really striking. Victor Moses was a defensive winger. Yeah. Who he turned into a into a very good wing back. Like, that was not that weird a thing to have. He happen. was also just, like, a traditional winger in a way that was getting phased out of the game, Victor Moses. And that, like, you just sort of, like, put the traditional winger at wing back and were like, um, do that a little bit more defensively. And, like, the transition is not that hard. Whereas, like, that's not at all what Perisic was. Right, because Perisic, Perisic is also a traditional winger, but he's a traditional winger who provided a lot of attacking value and that teams pushed way high up the field. I have, through like you know, a, years and years of doing this, been a longtime Perisic skeptic because his production as someone coming in off the wing on his true foot never really matched up to what you need at a top level from a player who has his limited defensive responsibilities. And then Conte just gave him way more defensive responsibilities, and he kept doing the same amount of attacking production, and now he's doing it this year for, yeah. for, for Inzaghi. Like, he is clearly still capable of doing it. Like, it's not just that Conte did this one thing for a year that was a funny miracle. Even Perisic is now a good wingback. Yeah, I don't get I mean, it. But I mean, like, if if Conte can see these sorts of things, I want to see it. Right. I mean, I think that that's that is correct. Uh, like, you know, they're, talking of Inter, under under Conte, they just played insanely with wingbacks, like just full on attacking, very open football with wingbacks going bonkers. Since he has left, Inzaghi like pretty strictly rotates like one winger is wingback and one fullback is wingback. And, like, yeah. Perisic is the winger as fullback on the wingback on the left. So him and Dumfries, Denzel Dumfries, don't ever really play together, right? They, they sort of alternate. Um, which has, I think, made it easier for Perisic to, like, keep being a very functional good wingback in, in, with, with Conte gone and Inzaghi there. Um, but, like, they experimented with Treyari at wingback last season at, at, at Wolves a little bit. I don't think the experiments went very well, and I don't think that the role is particularly similar to what, what Conte has you do. Although maybe it is. Um, I also, like, I know this is being painted as Conte is interested in having Treyari play wingback. That's why they are linked. But they were also linked in the summer. And, like, it just sort of seems to me like what's happening here is, like, everybody has, like, looked at this transfer and thought it could make sense for all parties considered. And then Conte comes in and is like, sure, I see how I could use this. But it doesn't seem to me that it's necessarily, like, Conte pushing for the move as opposed to Conte being perfectly comfortable with the move. Which, again, sort of makes sense. Right. Adama Traore is, he's going to be 26 very soon. And he has 18 months left on his contract, and he doesn't play very much for Wolves. And Wolves have pretty solidly established themselves as they're going to stay up in the Premier League, and they're not really going to challenge for uh, any major spaces in the Premier League. Conceivably, you could say, okay, maybe this team could challenge for a Europa League spot, but their performance level doesn't match their 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 current level in the table. Like, 
if I were running Wolves, this would be a time to sell. Right. And I think that Daniel Levy sees that. And so, you know, there's going to be a fight over how much this all costs. And that's a very reasonable uh that would be a reasonable cause for why this would not happen. But there is a there's a business logic to the Treyari transfer that has been true for a while. So it, it, I, I agree with you. It's not clear that this is Conte being deeply committed to Adama Treyari as his vision of a wingback. Nonetheless, he says he can do it. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing, the other thing to keep in mind in terms of like why this might not happen is that. It is absolutely true that it, this would be this is the ideal time for wolves to sell. Um, it is also true that above a certain price, Triori is no longer a, a, a player that it makes sense for some for a team like Spurs to buy. Like above a certain price, the answer is well, we're not really going to get any sell on value, and we can look elsewhere. So we're going to do that. So the question is like, is there a middle ground to be had? I suspect yes, either now or next summer. But you know. That also depends on, like, are there other teams interested in Traore, which there haven't seemed to be, so. I just want to close out by giving the crazy fanboy take on this, which is that Adama Traore has some notable things in common with Harry Winks. He has technical skills that have not translated into the ball moving forward from him to another player. I don't know why that didn't ha- doesn't happen. Like, Traore clearly has great technical skills. You can see it in his dribbling. He's been on set plays as well. Harry Winks is a solid technical central midfielder who for years was the poster boy for the player that looks like they are a plus passer in midfield, and then you break down the numbers, and you see that he never passes forward, and then you watch them play, and you see, oh, right, Harry Winks is never the guy to make the pass that moves the ball forward. And under Conte, Harry Winks, in a small number of minutes, maybe just some randomness, has done that more. Does Antonio Conte's system create for players who have a limited ability to read the field and pick a pass, a kind of simple read option for what they need to do when they get the ball that might make it possible for Adama Traore to work. This is, again, this is pretty far removed from analytics, but it is the fanboy take as someone who desperately wants to see Adama Traore succeed, and as someone who's a Tottenham fan, this is my vision for the world. There you go. We have any other transfers we want to hit? I think we hit all the the highlights, right? Yep. There may be more coming in. What we're going to do for the subscription podcast is because, of course, we are not talking about the FA Cup. This is a great weekend to pop back in to continental football and see what is going on. I think that in particular, Spain and Italy have a lot to offer this weekend. And so we will be giving you a little catch up on things that have been happening on the continent and some previews of games to watch. That'll be at patreon.com slash double pivot. You can check it out there. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Cheers.